Radio Zoom, episode 90, May 2nd, 2006. Information about artists played on this episode can be found in the show notes at radiozoom.net. From Vancouver, British Columbia, this is the Radio Zoom Podcast. to you from Vancouver, British Columbia. Turn my mic up just a little bit there. Uh, gorgeous day. A good day. A very, very good day. Got word that I'm still legal to be in this country and I don't have to leave my wife. Thank God. But uh, the way things go in the legal world, you never know. You never know with the, the Canadian government, especially being an American. I could do a whole podcast about that. Maybe sometime down the line once everything's approved and good to go. And Yeah. Don't want to jinx myself just quite yet. I'm still not there on the levels. I'm too excited. All excited about everything going on. RateNewsZoom at gmail.com is that email address. Send me your uh, your comments, your thoughts, your questions. You can also check out the show notes today, RadioZoom.net. And the Frapper map is still sitting at 27, Frapper.com slash RadioZoom. I changed the URL, so you can go there. It's a little easier, a little shorter. You can tell all of your friends, tell all your buddies, tell your dog, tell your mom, tell your aunt, tell your uncle. Coming up, um, we're going to talk a little bit. Well, I got some news bits. That's what I'm going to call those little segments that I talk about. Things going on in the news, different things going on in the lower mainland area. And also, um, a couple different topics, all revolving around Vancouver. The Canada line, which we discussed before, but I've got something else, a little different insight into it. And then also, we'll talk about the Olympic Village for the 2010 Winter Olympics coming up in just four years now. Well, we're under four years now, so. Right now, let's do this. Roche Limit, talking about British Columbia. So let's play artists from British Columbia. The song's called Number One Value. Let's resume.
Limit with the song number one value off of the album White Light. You can check them out, RocheLimit.ca, R O C H E L I M I T.ca. And the more I hear that guy, the more I like him, and the more I really need to check him out. Of course, by checking him out, I mean checking out one of his shows. But right now, we're going to take a look at some of these news bits that I got going on and uh, got going on. I don't have any news bits going on, but things that I think that are interesting, at least some topics that uh, need to be uh, looked at once again because I want to give you a little bit of an update on the BC Ferries, Queen of the North situation. Going back to explain for those of you who do not know the the uh, the whole extent of the situation, uh, the Queen of the North, this comes off of Vancouver Sun a story called uh, BC Ferries Observed Silence on First Run. I'll have a link to this in the show notes. But the Queen of the North, a 125-meter ferry with 101 people on board, plowed into Gill Island about 135 kilometers south of Prince Rupert, BC, early March 22nd in relatively good weather conditions. In less than an hour, the 37-year-old vessel had sunk, eventually coming to rest more than 400 meters below the waves. So that's a little bit uh, of the background of the story, and I've been kind of talking about it here and there. Dissecting the, the the whole politics of the issue and also the the impact that that has on uh, you know here we are on the west coast of Canada, the southwest coast of Canada, and this area relies quite heavily on those ferries in terms of transportation, uh, shipping of goods and services and things like that, and um, some other information in terms of the whole investigation of what's going on with the uh, the whole sinking. Uh, the Transportation Safety Board is sending down another sub uh, to look at the sunken ferry to find out what went wrong, but Jim Harris with the board says the idea of, quote, human error, unquote, is meant to assign blame, and that's not what the probe is about. He says that it's a combination of everything from the machine, the man, and the environment. He also says it has to do with those, or how those elements interact and how people are trained to operate within those uh, iterations. Harris also says that Ottawa will be spending about $300,000 to send a remote sub to the bottom of Wright Sound to get inside, uh, or to get inside the wheelhouse and recover an important piece of the ship's navigation system. Specifically, they hope to find the electronic chart display computer intact, described as the nautical version of an airliner's black box. 
and that will find out uh, how the boat went off course. Uh, Harris says a robot sub should be hitting the water by the second week of May, so that could be happening very, very soon. And also, that, you know, that's in terms of what's going on with the, the investigation, and I'll have a link to that uh, story in the show notes. You're going to want to check out the show notes for all the links today. Got a lot of different things we're going to be mentioning. But the province, another uh, publication, well, here in the Lower Mainland, and I've the more I learn about the province, the more people uh, say interesting things about the province. But I found the story there. Uh, payments to BC ferries draw heat, and you, know, you can kind of see how the political ramifications of this story is going to be kind of. Uh, uh, go here, but uh, BC Ferries will pocket as much as $2.7 million in taxpayers' money after declaring the sinking of the Queen of the North at the end of March a force majeure, or an act of God. Hopefully I pronounced that right. The BC Ferry Commission and Transport Minister Kevin Falcon approved the de- declaration even before the National Transportation Safety Board has completed its probe, so they haven't even officially ruled in terms of what the explanation of why the ferry sank in all sorts of manners, be it man, mechanical, or or nature, um, they have uh, decided to go ahead and give BC Ferries $2.7 million. Now, under the Coastal Ferry Services contract with the province, BC Ferries will continue to receive its service fee from Victoria of about $43,000 per round trip for runs not made until May 18th. If the commissioner agrees to extend that status, the company will also get paid or will also get paid for runs not made during the summer season. Company officials did not return calls yesterday in response to this article. BC Ferries says it has been unable to find a replacement vessel for the Queen of the North in time for the summer. So the route that the Queen of the North runs on does have some service. The service is, of course, limited because initially they had three boats serving this route. They took it down to two because they uh, had one. They put one to the dry dock to get it, uh, you know, ser- refurbed and service and things like that. That is, I think, since come out of dry dock. So you're, we're back to having two ships go back and forth. But this is a, you know, the summer season. That's a that's a heavy season for tourism, different things like that. Also, getting the mail, getting food, getting just different things like that around. So it affects many people. The political ramifications are coming about. It's very interesting to watch as it all goes on. Uh, another piece of news that this could go into the Hockey Talk segment, but I didn't have enough for an all-out Hockey Talk segment. But uh, this goes to the Canucks finding a new head coach because Mark Crawford has been fired. There really is nothing new to report. They don't have anybody yet, but uh, Canucks have asked Maple Leafs Entertainment permission to talk to Pat Quinn. He is the now former coach of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, he got fired because they did not make the playoffs as well, just like the Canucks. But uh, Pat Quinn used to be coach of Vancouver Canucks. Now they're going to talk to him again, maybe about coming back. It's a possibility. It's just talk. But that means that there is some interest in bringing Pat Quinn to Vancouver. So it's very interesting uh, information there. This is something I should have mentioned a long time ago, and it's not really national news or news affecting the Lower Mainland, except if you count the Lower Mainland as being me. But uh, the Manuel Lopez interview that I did many, many episodes ago, he is a student. Manuel uh, is a student over in uh, the U.K., He's a student in, uh, I think it's Master Science or Masters in Science in Electronic Publishing at City University in uh, London, England. And he had a project that he was going to create a multimedia presentation on podcasting for his coursework. 
And he went ahead and emailed me, got in contact with me, and set up an interview, essentially. Things were kind of crazy for me at that time, and so what I did is I took his questions and just read them onto the, you know, read the questions and responded to them on the podcast, and then he took that as being part of the interview for his his uh, multimedia project. So I'm not sure how the grade turned out, but uh, he does have that project up for the public to see, and uh, you're going to have to check out the show notes for the link, and uh, you can go there, you know, listen to the audio clips that he used and read the different things that he wrote about me and then also about a, a few other podcasters. Uh, but yeah, the, the link for it is like student.city.ac.uk slash tilde. I mean, go check out the show notes. Click. It's going to be that much easier. So you can find out all that information right there, radiozoom.net, and uh, find all it is that you need to know. So that wraps it up for the news bits. Let's go ahead and play some more BC music. I just checked this out, and I just heard it like not very long ago, about an hour or so ago, and was very, very impressed, and was like, yes, that's what I got to play today. So this is Peter Legrand, originally from Halifax, but he calls Vancouver home now. So check this out. The song's called Proposition. Radio Zoom.
reminds me a little bit of Richard Buckner, maybe a little bit of Iron and Wine, and also uh, somebody else that I'm not placing right now, but I remember seeing many, many moons ago back in Iowa City. But that was Peter Legrand. The song was called Proposition. It's off of his album Falling Down in Place, and you can check out all you want to know about Peter Legrand at peterlegrand.com. If you want to get the direct link and just click and go, check out the show notes, radiozoom.net. So let's talk a little bit about the Canada line. Blasting has started for the creation of the Canada line, and for those of you who don't know, this will be a mass transit system that will serve communities to the southern portions of Vancouver, or the lower mainland, and it will also link up the airport with downtown Vancouver. And actually, you know, the current ways to get to and from the airport mainly is by bus, car, or taxi. If you're rich enough, you probably could afford a helicopter. There is a helicopter pad down by Waterfront Station, and probably you you can fork out the dough. I'm sure it could take you there. But right now, it's bus, car, or taxi in order to get out there. Or bike, but why would you take your bike to the airport? Well, you never know. You never know. But anyway, um, in a previous episode, though, Rebecca and I talked quite a bit about the Canada Line, and that is mainly was involved, or we mainly covered over the uh, the initial construction phase because it's shutting off a major artery, uh, Granville Street, and downtown for the next two years, and it's only shutting down a portion of it, but it's a pretty major chunk. And you can check that out, episode 88, uh, in terms of wh- uh, where we all we talked all about that. Now, on CanadaLine.com, they have a promotional video that I'm going to run the audio of here in just a second. Uh, it's a slick, very informative, um, makes you feel really good about the Canada Line. And I'm not trying to say anything negative about it at all. But when you start making changes like this, people react and... You know, you have different things like construction noise, the blasting, obviously. I mean, this, these are explosives going on to uh, bust up, you know, rock and the ground underneath these streets. And, you know, and, the, and certain streets being shut down, such as Granville or, or even, you know, the Canby um, Boulevard or, you know, and, and so on. You know, people are going to react to that. And you can kind of see how this five-minute video roundabout is supposed to help with those issues from people doubting the project and you know making them feel a little bit more secure with the fact that the lie is going to be completely disrupted but in the long run for the better good so i'm going to run this and then i'll I'll come back with a few more points but it's a promotional video to kind of help you know a little bit more about uh the canada line I know it's a video. I'm just going to run the audio. I'll provide a link in the show notes so that we can go check it out directly to yourself. But here it is right now. Greater Vancouver. It's about 75 kilometers from west to east and 64 kilometers from north to south. A region surrounded by water, connected by bridges. waterways that extend roadways for commuters and welcome visitors from around the world. Every year about one million visitors arrive aboard cruise ships and begin their exploration at Canada Place. 
The Port of Vancouver is Canada's largest, our gateway to the Asia-Pacific. An efficient infrastructure will keep people and goods moving. From a seaport to an airport. Vancouver International, a premier global gateway, modern and bustling. Ten years ago, 12 million people arrived annually via the airport. Today, that number has grown to almost 16 million. The region is growing. In fact, about the only thing that hasn't changed is the size. It's still about 75 kilometers from west to east and 64 kilometers from north to south. More people, more cars, more trucks. Same space. I feel like, it, like the population increased and everything, and now it's, it's totally different. It's very hard to, to drive, you know? The longer I'm tied up in traffic, whether it be either in a car or on my bike, just because of all the congestion, the less money I'm making at the end of the day. Congestion is frustrating and costly for people, whether they rely on cars or trucks or transit. It makes you wonder, is the solution more roads and more cars, or a different type of car. Canada Line. 16 new connections to the network. Over 200 departures every day from Vancouver International Airport and Richmond Centre into downtown Vancouver. YBR2. A destination that will grow with the airport. YBR1. Richmond City Center. The city square. The beginning of the line. Rapid transit opens up in 2009. How long do you think it would take to get from Richmond Center to Waterfront Station? Probably half an hour. 45. Actual time, 25 minutes to Waterfront Station. Alderbridge. If it was like right to Lansdowne, walking here would be so simple. The crossroads will improve accessibility to major shopping centers. Camden. A vibrant international district. The hub where the Canada Line from Richmond and Vancouver Airport will meet. Marine Drive. A station that will make it easier for Langara College students to get to and from class. For sure, that's what I would take. I live a block away from Cambio. Of course, I would take that instead of uh, driving. 41st Avenue. 11 minutes to Waterfront Station. A two-minute walk from hundreds of shops and services at Oak Ridge Center. King Edward. Established, cherished communities and landscapes along the Camby Heritage Boulevard. Broadway City Hall. Six minutes to Waterfront Station. Vancouver City Hall. Public Service Central and major health centers. Falls Creek South. The center of a developing residential and commercial area.
once the warehouse district, now transformed into a funky urban neighborhood. When I do have to go to Richmond or the airport, I think it would be a, a, a tremendous advantage. Robson Street, one minute to Waterfront Station. People, lots of people. A place for shopping, eating, and entertainment. Waterfront Station. Connecting with SkyTrain Millennium Line, SkyTrain Expo Line, Seabus, and the West Coast Express. Fast, frequent, and reliable. 16 stations, multiple connections, more choices to help you get around Greater Vancouver. Canada Line, first departure 2009, then about every five minutes after that. For more information, visit CanadaLine.ca. Canada Line. I want that guy's voice. So that was the a little bit of, uh, well, actually, that was all of that audio, the promotional video that you can get from uh, CanadaLine.ca. Uh, once again, check the show notes or just go automatically right there. But as you can see, the Canada Line is going to be a really nice addition to the city. Now... Uh, I, I don't know the specifics on where the money is coming from. I, those details, I don't know. But you know what? I like the idea of mass transit in general. And not only does that provide access to the to the airport, but I, I like the idea of being able to get to the IKEA down in Richmond on the Canada Line. That's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. But uh, also, you know, the hub down at Waterfront Station is going to be pretty nice as well because you get to Waterfront and you can like it's, you know you hit the Sky Train, C Bus. Uh, you know, it's, it's a hub. It's a major hub in terms of mass transit in the city. Now, this is also going to be starting once again in 2009. So this is kind of why you should care about this. It's not, you know, I, I find it incredibly interesting. But, uh, you know, if you like skiing, you, you fly into Vancouver, you fly into the to the airport, YVR, and you go take the Canada Line all the way to, basically, to Waterfront, sea bus over to, to North Vancouver, North Vancouver, West Vancouver, you, you know, into that area, you're that much closer to the local slopes, also that much closer to getting to uh, Whistler and Blackcomb. Uh, to the 2010 Olympics, mass transit is going to be vital. You know, with gas the way it is, it'd be crazy not to think that. And I like to think that the fact that, you know, when my family and my friends come up to visit, they'll have that much easier of a time getting here to the downport or to downtown. And uh, that's what's really important to me. So, all of this going on, it's a lot of headaches. Uh, if you you know if you're not gonna if you're thinking about coming here for the 2010 Winter Olympics and seeing the city, seeing the games, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. Just get to that to that point, and I'm gonna get to that here in just a moment. Just a little bit of an insight as we talk about the Olympic Village coming up here in just a moment. Right now, we're gonna play some music for you. The Goat Island Exploration or ex- Extrapolation. Extrapolation? Extrapolation? I don't know. Hopefully I got it right. Check this out. The song's called On the Radio, BC-based. It's music. It's good. And this is reason.
song reminds me a lot of college radio. The Goat Island Exploration. Expolation. Expolation. I, jeez, I can't get that name right. On the radio is the name of the song. And uh, you know what? You're going to want to check out the show notes. RadioZoom.net to get the link to their website because it's, once again, one of those www.telus.net slash, yeah. Goads Ward slash Ken. Yep, yep. Check out the show notes. Trying to zip right along here and make sure I don't uh, make this too long of an episode for you. 2010 Winter Olympics. As I mentioned, they're going to be here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And I have always been a fan of the Olympics, both winter, both summer, both winter, both summer, both winter and summer. And uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever really paid attention to all of the planning, all of the details, all of the construction that goes on beforehand? Because that's what... I really like paying attention to right now, especially with, you know, the 2010 Olympics coming to Vancouver here soon. And it always seems like the, all of the facilities, all of the planning is always getting done at the very last second. Even in Torino, you know, in Italy, the last Olympics here, things were right at the deadline. Almost the day before the Olympics started, things were being completed, money was being funneled to where it needed to be funneled, and money, funds were coming in from the Italian government to, to, you know, to the, the Olympic committees and all that fun stuff. And that's why I find this particularly interesting to watch the planning for the 2010 Olympics coming up here. I mean, we're, we're less than four years out. And it's May 2006, and as of right now, the construction of the Olympic uh, Village has begun. But mainly they are excavating the site and putting infrastructure into place, meaning they're putting in a lot of the utilities, electricity, uh, gas lines. Well, they're not even putting that in right now. They're, you know, they're digging up the areas so that way they can do all this stuff. And <clears throat> the actual construction is not slated to start until early 2007. So that's next year, obviously, because it's 2006. I know you're not stupid. If you go to the website, though, <clears throat> I'm losing it here. <clears throat> vancouver.ca slash olympic village there's a lot in that area that you have to deal with in order to build the olympic village and they said something about it in that the the promotional video for the candle line that right there uh off of the the um uh, or sorry it's uh, southeast uh false creek this is the area that they're going to be developing this is across from yale town yale town uh, you'll you'll hear about it, but it's, you know the former site of Expo eighty six. Expo eighty six went on in um, in that area as well. Um, th- this area is not very pretty either. At least right now, there's not a whole lot there. It's pretty vacant land, and uh, what land you know what's being used there isn't really. I don't know. It's not very useful. It's more like warehouse. Um, there's some viable courts in that area uh, further down from where the Olympic Village is going to be, but uh, it's it's prime for development. It's a piece of land that's been sitting there for quite a while with a lot of other development going on. It was only a matter of time until somebody you know, looked at it and said, well, we could build something here. And, well, that's what's going to, you know, the Olympic Village is going to go there. It's slated for completion in October 2009. And after that, the village will become incorporated into Vancouver as a residential community. And there's a lot more to it. But I want to run the audio of a video once again off of the the site in terms of all the uh, one of the sites here from vancouver.ca 
I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go directly to the video and see it. But I'm going to run the audio because the audio is pretty informative as well. And it's incredibly inter- interesting as to uh, what they want to do. So I would really like it, you know, if you're, if you're interested to, you know, check out further information. Now, what you're going to hear in this this audio of the video, uh, you're going to hear a couple different people talking about the whole project, about the Olympics coming up. Uh, one of the people you're going to hear is Tammy Bradley, who is a uh, – she is the female that you hear. And uh, she's a Vancouver Olympian. She was in uh, Na- uh, Nagano and also in Salt Lake. You'll also hear Mark Cutler. He's the director of Olympic Village Development. He's the guy with the accent. And you'll also hear Ian Smith. Ian Smith, I'm sure it's Ian. Uh, he's the manager of develop- development for Southeast False Creek. So this is an area that's they want to do something with, obviously. And uh, you can check out – um, more information about the development of Southeast Falls, Falls Creek, uh, vancouver.ca slash com services slash Southeast. It's not that simple, so check again, once again, in the show notes, and uh, you can uh, find all the information right there. So go ahead and get the video all queued up and let you check it out. for the Olympic Village. It's going to be the best athletes village that the world has ever seen, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. Woohoo! It's a phenomenal facility, the Olympic Village. It's, it's like a self-contained town. We operate the village more like, a, more like a three-star hotel. The interesting factor there is that every client that you've got in the hotel is both a hero and a VIP. So you're wanting to provide the very best service for each of those athletes, knowing the um, the commitment that they've made to be at the games, and the uh, you know, and the excitement that you feel about being around them. The site will have two different lines. Uh, it's going to be an Olympic Village first, uh, and then it's going to be a community. And uh, to a certain extent, uh, there might be some differences, uh, you know, between those two functions. And, and to some extent, uh, it might be that uh, they, they're kind of mutually beneficial. The waterfront location, the park space uh, uh, on the waterfront, the public plaza, uh, the, the retention of heritage buildings, uh, all that will be part of the Olympic Village, uh, you know, will make this a very special village. In the past, the Olympic Villages have been temporary modules. They've been uh, very basic, very standard. One was at the university in Salt Lake. One was just put up and uh, then they were going to take it down. Here in Vancouver, this is going to be a community. These athletes are going to never experience an Olympics like this. It's about a million square feet, uh, mostly residential development. Uh, there will be a kind of a community heart, a commercial area uh, in the long term around Manitoba Street. Uh, there is a community center uh, planned for this site and a school uh, planned for this site, all of which uh, probably will be brought on as part of the Olympic Village. Through the focus groups and for, through the workshops, there's been lots of discussion. They're bringing artists in to make it unique and, you know, that urbanized flair. And there's been talk of an Olympic lookout. 
We might have bikes there and bike racks, and so an athlete could jump on a bike and, and go to the cafeteria or stuff if they're in a hurry. And, and I'm sure people are saying, well, athletes should walk, but sometimes you're in a hurry. So just ideas like that being thrown around or having a main street, which I believe that is going through, and just the different names of streets. What the Olympics leaves over is not just a, not just a built form legacy, but also a community legacy and an educational legacy to, um, to the people that, uh, that were involved in the Games and the people that might subsequently house, the, uh, house the, the residential form that made up the Olympic Village. I think the Olympics have given us an opportunity uh, really to show Vancouver to the world, sort of like Expo 86 did, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, I think it's a different Vancouver that we're going to show now uh, than what we showed in 1986. Uh, but having said that, I still think uh, that Vancouver has a lot to offer. Uh, you know, not only the lower mainland, but to North America and to the world in terms of the way we built the city, uh, the livability of the city, uh, the movement uh, towards doing things in a much more sustainable manner. The Olympics uh, helped to provide that stage. Uh, you know, I think it, uh, the world has found out about Vancouver, you know, and, and more and more people are coming here to see what we have done and to learn from things that we've done. Uh, the Olympics will put us more on that stage, and I think that's a good thing. I began dreaming Olympics when I was five years old and so when I was announced to that Olympic team 23 years later going to Nagano, Japan, it was a remarkable feeling and then four years later being announced to that Salt Lake City team 2002 and now when Vancouver won the 2010 Olympic bid being a part of that, a third Olympics, although I will not be an athlete at my third Olympics, I will be an Olympic spectator, fan, coach, all the things that our community and everyone from Vancouver and Whistler has a chance to be a part of. This is a whole new beginning for everyone with 2010. Alright, so once again, insightful, informative, meant to kind of calm your concerns, your questions, and all your, you know, the potential headaches that are going to come with this and your, yeah, all that stuff. A couple different things that they did mention, once again, Expo 86, there's really too much to cover about that. Rebecca, uh, she, she went to Expo as a little kid, and it'd probably be better if I had her with me so she could talk about it and give you a first-hand hand account of what Expo was through her tiny little kid eyes uh maybe even a mobile podcast from yaletown better you know yaletown being the former site of where expo 86 mainly a good portion good chunk of our 80s uh, expo 86 took place check the show notes for links though i'll maybe like to a wikipedia uh, definition or something there's a lot of different things since it's 2006 it's the 20th anniversary of expo 86 a lot of different things going on right now in the news as they're celebrating the anniversary there mainly in conjunction with the 2010 Olympics coming up. Uh, also, Whistler, um, most of the, the, uh, the snow events, uh, skiing and so on and so forth, is going to happen up at Whistler. Uh, anyone who loves skiing knows, seems to know something about Whistler, Whistler and Blackcomb Mountains. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to get really into that right now, but you check the show notes for links. You can get I'll, you know like Wikipedia links, but then also I'll give you some links to Whistler directly. I know they have some websites there, so you can check out more you want to find out their information things. There are so many issues with each development, though, each element of the Olympics coming to Vancouver, 
There's cost, material, timeline, short-term, long-term effects to the on the local economy, uh, the displacement of the homeless. You know, you got all this development going on, but in these these areas where there's not very many people there, you tend to get squatters, and then when you come in and you want to do something about it, you well, you got to shove these people out, and you know about where you're going to put the these people, lower income people, homeless, and so on. The concept, though, of the community is huge because there isn't much residential there for now. There's potentiality that this could be for uh, some of this development is going to be a lower income housing. I, I'm not really sure there was talk of it, but uh, not very long ago there was a uh, people in control of, of uh, the, the city government, and that has since turned hands. And there's a lot of different things that the the old city government wanted to do that the new city government came in and turned around and you know and, and uh, killed in terms of different ideas and development processes and going on. So I'm not really sure where everything sits right now. Uh, if I did more digging, I'm sure I'd find that out. Maybe somebody out there listening might uh, know some of that information. Uh, the interesting detail of this grand master plan for this new community, though, uh, is that it's not really slated to be complete until 2018 because the main concern right now, the immediate timeline for the project, is development just for the Olympics, uh, developing the Olympic Village. But all the other extra things that they have in there about, you know, the, the uh, you know, business area and, and uh, you know, a place where you can go shopping and, and things like that, uh, you know, that's it's really cool. And you can check out uh, some links to, you know, these this imp- more get more information about the development of this but as you'll see as you go into this and to kind of dissect it is that a lot of this really great community things that they're going to build isn't going to come until much later so why am i so curious about this is that i'm just you know you got two years to construct this village so is it going to be on done on time you know there's nothing there right now uh nothing there in terms of in that area to house anyone so for some warehouses, so you could set up some cots and some blankets, but you know they're going to tear that all down. But I don't know. It, it, it's it, two years to create the village, and it takes nearly that long to build some of the towers just in downtown Vancouver. You know, that just goes up. I mean, these are not going to be that high rise of buildings. They're going to be oh, it looks like they're going to just going to be anywhere from four to ten stories tall. So it's going to be tight, and there's a lot more that has to be done than just the Olympic Village. The speed skating oval, widening some highways, and that's got a whole other topic. I, you know, that's a, these are all topics for another time. But the Olympic Village, we go by there a lot, um, either driving around or on the Sky Train or so on and so forth. And I, I see that, and I keep looking over there, and it's of interest to me. So that's why I thought I would cover it. But we'll let this push this aside. Take it for what it's worth. You're a little bit more informed about what's going on with the Olympics. How about some music by The Green Room? Actually, Green Room is just their name. It's kind of funky. I like it. So you can check it out. The song's called Spy Beats. And this is Radio Zoom.
song green room is the name of the band and that comes off their album connect you can find out more about them greenroomrecords.ca once again check out the show notes and you can get all the d- links directly to all the artists reminds me of the green room bar back in iowa city that i used to go see a lot of bands that uh well it's called the green room bar i used to see a lot of funk bands a lot of different uh, acts kind of in the same vein the green room kind of uh, had a lot of the same similar type of artists plus especially the blues jam always a good time cheap beer not a beer drinker but you know good times greener i apologize about this one being a little long send me an email what do you think is this uh some of the stuff too long too short do you like more episodes a week or less i don't know you can send me your feedback radiozoom at gmail.com radiozoom.net once again, that website to get all the information, uh, all the uh, links to the show notes, show notes, links, things, man, falling apart here in the, le- the last minutes here. Um, also, you know, why did I talk about the things that I did today? You know, these topics are of interest to, to me, and everything I mentioned is a part of the makeup of Vancouver, and with the Olympics coming up, so much is changing. I, so much has changed just since I've been here. Not a lot, but, you know, I've, I've noticed the changes, different things going on. This city is young. It, it, you know, it will alter the Vancouver that everyone knows, and I'm watching it all happen. Vancouver is barely a century old. It's got a long ways to grow. It's still quite the, uh, well, I'd have to say that it's, it's more like a, a pimply-faced teenager in terms of development. There's just so much going on, and so many changes going on. But, uh, in my eyes, I'm just trying to kind of let you see through them, so... I gotta get myself out of here. So some of the music came from uh, the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. We'll check you later and adios. The music on the Radio Zoom podcast is done with artist permission and is Podsafe. This is the show notes for more information. RadioZoom.net.